Hey everyone, welcome. My name is Simon. My wife Maria and I are the pastors at Everyone Church, and we had in-person church this week, which means I get to record a special, exclusive podcast-only version of the sermon for the weekend. So glad that you would join us today if you're visiting, or if you miss church on Sunday. We love you. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. And we'll be on next week as well because we have back-to-back in-person services. So get ready for that. We're going to get right into things today. We've been talking about culture wars over the last number of weeks. Every family has a culture. Every workplace has a culture. Every church community has a culture. And every Christian should embody a culture. And when we become Christians, we get to learn the culture of our new spiritual home, because we belong to God. Culture can be defined as the shared behavior of a group of people. It's it's who we are together and what we believe together. And culture is the accumulation of a group's character. It's like a character force. Culture is also, it's a tide. It's an influence. Culture can sway you. You know, like you get into the ocean and there's a tide, there's a current that pushes you one way or the other. And if we aren't grounded And if we aren't intentional about our character formation as individuals and and as sons and daughters of God, the culture around us will form it for us. And sometimes it's it's as simple as a slow chipping away, you know, a, a small compromise here and here and here. And the next thing you know, you have been swayed, you know, like when you're in the ocean, you're swimming and you're trying to stay between the flags. And then you look back after a couple of minutes and you're like, how did I end up way over here, right? That's what culture can do to you. And this inevitable collision between kingdom culture and worldly culture puts us in the middle of a culture war. And this series is all about equipping us to navigate this. Now, in our previous weeks, we focused on three foundational topics, and then we'll jump to a fourth today. But just a quick recap for those who may have missed it. And I encourage you to check out previous episodes of the podcast and and get up to date on all of that. And also, it's on our YouTube channel as well. But uh, we the first week, we focused on being all in for God, and we shared from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And when we, in light of what God has done for us, give all that we are to Him, we move from being conformed to being transformed. And we can't talk about culture wars if we aren't being for real for God. I mean, it's the half-baked, lukewarm Christian that is swayed by culture. So the second week uh, we focused on this, we talked about having Christ-like love and really defining what Christ-like love is. We shared from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, where it talks about how we should walk in love as Christ loved us. Uh, And we talked about how Christ's love is self-sacrificial and God-exalting, which is a huge contrast Uh, with how the world expresses love, typically, particularly the Western world, where love tends to be self-serving and self-exalting. So we want to have Christ-like love. And then last week, we talked about knowing the truth from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 and 13, where it talks about wearing the belt of truth. And we talked about how there's like a truth delusion in worldly culture that says we can all be true at once. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, I am one of, or next to, or an option. No, he said he is the truth. So being all in for God, loving like Christ, and knowing the truth. Uh, And we're building something here. And if you missed 
previous weeks, as I did say before, check them out because uh, we go a lot more detail than what I just recapped here. Uh, but I think most of what we're talking about uh, in this series can be summed up in the words of Jesus, where he says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. So we're talking about being grounded, being solid in our foundation. You know, when this uh, COVID pandemic has come and it's still hanging around a little bit, it's kind of like the, the tide went out on our lives. You know, when the tide goes out and it exposes what was under the surface. And I think all of us had this realization of like, hey, why was I doing that? Or, or you know, we've all been challenged in our marriages, in our family life, in our emotional health, in our mental health. It was many of us challenged in our beliefs, in our uh, beliefs of asking questions like, why do we do certain things as the church? Or why do we do that? Because it was just all uh, bets were off for, for many, many months. Life became a lot simpler. And I, my prayer is that we would learn from that, actually. And we would look at our uh, weaknesses or, or things that really bothered us throughout that season and continue to bother us. And we would learn to build on bedrock so that when storms come in the future, and they will come, that we would be strong and that we wouldn't be swayed by culture. So I want to talk about something that is so key in kingdom culture this week, but it's also so misrepresented and mistaught and misused. I want to talk about faith. Faith. Kingdom culture is a culture of faith. You are on a journey of faith. You are in a war for your faith. Your goal should be to strengthen your faith. You know, our Christian faith, it should be strong. Our faith is reasonable, uh, which is funny because much of the talk uh, in the worldly culture with the use of the word faith, it's tend to be dragged through the mud. It's like faith is unreasonable, and it's faith is something you use when there's no scientific proof or option. Now, I'm not going to be talking too much about apologetics and defending our faith. I'm more focusing on biblical definition and teaching of faith, but there are stacks of resources and books and podcasts that address that stuff, you know, like Reasonable Faith Podcast with William Lane Craig, and he's written a number of books, Good Apologetics books, The Undeceptions Podcast with John Dixon, uh, and there's a whole bunch of books and, and resources we could help you with if that's an area in your life where you're just struggling with that area of your faith. But the big point here is that we don't just believe blindly. We are reasonable in our faith, absolutely. So don't let some TikToker, YouTuber, guy or girl bully you into thinking that you're a fool for believing in God, because you're not. Uh, I'm not sure if you heard the the saying of, it takes more faith to be an atheist than a theist. I, I believe that statement. And believing in God is reasonable and rational. Uh, and we should be encouraged and bold that we can stand up and defend our faith. But also, as Christians, we know that there's a supernatural element to our faith, too. And it's more than just believing. So let's talk about biblical faith. Where does faith come from? Well, it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. So when we hear the gospel, the doorway of faith opens up to us. And we have the opportunity then to step into the realm of faith, of, of walking with God. And remember, our primary role 
as Christians is to say yes to God and his words. That's that's our primary role here. At the a great definition of faith I read this week was that faith is trust expressed through personal relationship with God. That's a great definition of faith. Faith is trust expressed through personal relationship with God. And it's not mind over matter, or it's not a way to get more what I want. Or it's not manifesting my future or anything like that. You know, and if we dare to think that that the might of our faith is the reason why God saves us or blesses us, well, we need to understand grace. Faith isn't why God saves us. It is how God goes about it. Uh, so let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and break this down a little bit. Uh, Hebrews 11 is widely known as the chapter of faith or the whole of faith. And and it lists all these great men and women of faith in the Bible. And we're going to be jumping around Hebrews 11 a little bit. So I encourage you to read it uh, yourself, the whole chapter. But let's start in verse 1 and 2. It says this, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. And that, then the chapter goes on, shows examples of biblical figures who had great faith. But interestingly, in verse 13, it says this, All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. So by these scriptures, we see that faith is not necessarily earthly results orientated. No, it's about looking forward to what God has promised. It's the reality of what we hope for in Christ, evidence of what we can't see yet. It says in verse 16 of Hebrews 11, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So when we see someone with great faith, (laughs) and they have great faith in the midst of a trial, and maybe their faith is to believe for healing or a job or a baby, and it doesn't happen. Does that mean that they didn't have enough faith? Does that mean that God isn't able to help them? Does that mean that God really needs more of my faith to accomplish something like I heard it once said from a pretty prominent preacher uh, that I'm not I'm not going to uh, name here but he said Jesus can move through anything except your unbelief I, I don't believe that's true like did Lazarus have faith when he was dead in the tomb like did Thomas have like how does a dead man have faith to be resurrected did Thomas have faith when Jesus said look at the scars in my hands look at the scar in my side you know, sometimes God chooses not to do something because of our unbelief. That's just called being just. Uh, and sometimes God does stuff despite our unbelief. That's called grace. <laughs> That's called God's sovereign hand, right? Jesus is not limited or intimidated by your lack of faith. But even when I believe and I don't see results, my faith is valuable to God, irrespective of what happens in this life. And in the end, God prepares an eternal home for me, and I win anyway. This is the victory that we have in Christ. It says in verse 6 of Hebrews 11, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. So the purpose of faith is to please God. That's the function of faith, to please God. 
not to get what I want. Like when we, when we by faith receive Christ, it pleases God. We please God when we by faith trust Him. Uh, we please God when we by faith seek Him. We please God when we by faith walk with Him, obey Him. And we know that God has the final word in the end, not cancer or infertility. No, in the end. When I stand before God in the home that he has prepared for me for eternity, my faith will have pleased him, irrespective of the results that I may have seen in my earthly life. You know, we're so focused on this life and the things I have right now. And you might be, by looking back at a, at a trial in your life or, or, or a season or a dream that didn't happen the way that you were believing for it to happen, and you might think that because it didn't happen that you failed God. Or because there were no results, quote-unquote results, that there was no fruit. Well, listen, your faith in that season, in that dream, pleased God. Results please me. And it's not that we don't want results. Like, it's great when things work out. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't celebrate when there is healing and breakthrough, because that happens. And and don't think that results are, um, are a bad thing. But listen, results aren't always just faith-orientated. Results are God-orientated. My goal is to say yes to God. Kingdom culture is a faith culture, a yes culture to God and His Word. Worldly culture is results-focused. Ooh, look what I've done. Look what I've achieved. Let's not buy into the lie that God rewards faith with results in my bank account or my job. No, God rewards faith eternally. This is why the enemy of faith is not doubt, it's sight, right? It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, For we live by believing, not by seeing. Don't let your eyes deceive you. Uh, and I'm not just talking about seeing bad stuff around me and struggling with my faith journey. No, I'm talking about sometimes seeing good stuff. And it battles with our faith. Like we, we can look around and build our faith on visuals and, and, and bank accounts and job promotions. And we puff our chest out and say, look at what my faith is accomplishing. But then when things are, are struggle and we look around and we see trials and hurts and floods and we start to say, well, where is God? He is a better. Look at my faith is failing. The purpose of your faith is to please God in every season. Amen. And when we step out in faith and walk in faith and continue in our journey of faithfulness, we're speaking God's love language. God loves faith. It pleases Him. You know, like our church planning journey, and I don't think that Maria and I are these big heroes of faith that are, you know, there are people who have planted churches and left extended family behind and moved to third world countries. And I feel in many ways, um, that you know, we're we're planting a church down the road by God's grace and and but even in in, in this journey we, it has been a journey of faith for us and I, I my prayer has been to God that Lord irrespective of where this church heads I pray that this journey of faith with you that it would please you. Like, do we want the church to grow? Yeah. Do we want to, do we pray for it? Yeah, yeah. Do we work hard? Yes, absolutely. But it's all for him. It's for his glory and for his pleasure. The purpose of your faith, the purpose of my faith is to please God. In Matthew chapter 17, the disciples are trying to do a miracle, uh, do miracles like Jesus and cast out demons, and it doesn't work. 
And then they turn to him and they ask him about it in verse 19 of chapter 17. The disciples said, why couldn't we cast out that demon? And in verse 20, Jesus says, you don't have enough faith. I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it would move. Nothing would be impossible for you. Now, this verse can be so misrepresented. For one, the mountain that Jesus is referring to, uh, it's not that he's saying, hey, you can just tell a physical mountain to move. No, uh, it's similar to in Mark chapter 11, Jesus says something very similar, uh, which many scholars believe is a reference to a prophecy in Zechariah chapter 14, where the mountain of olives is split in two. There's like this prophetic word from God that this mountain will be split and it's a prophecy where God splits the mountain and forms a river that flows through it out of Jerusalem. So regardless of the specifics of, of the physical mountain, uh, what we believe Jesus is saying here is that with faith, you can be part of bringing about God's kingdom purposes and removing any obstacle that stops it. He's not saying that, hey, if you have enough faith, you can like move a car out of a parking spot that you wanted. No, no, no. It's it's about kingdom purposes, right? It's about God's glory. So, but this reference to a mustard seed is so interesting to me because the mustard seed is crazy small, it's tiny, and it produces a tree. But its uniqueness is not in this idea of something so small producing something so large. I think that it's it's, it's even deeper than that, and that is, you know, when you plant a mustard seed, mustard seeds are known to be very robust. Uh, they're known to grow anywhere. Uh, you can plant a mustard seed and way more often than not, it's going to find a way to grow. And this is what I believe Jesus is saying, is that our faith should be that of a mustard seed. It should be strong. Our faith is to grow despite the circumstances it's placed in. So now if we add this all together, the purpose of my faith is to please God, amen? But also my faith is to be strong and robust and resilient, resilient faith. So it doesn't matter what situation I'm in now or in the future or how th- hard things are or where my emotions are at. No, I live by faith, not by feelings, not by sight, but by faith, faith in God's word, faith in who he is, faith in his faithfulness, amen? So let your faith be strong in the Lord. Let your faith be not be swayed left and right by culture. Our faith needs to be grounded in the truth and needs to be strong. So as we engage in this culture war, remember that kingdom culture is a culture of faith, living by faith, not living by sight, not living by feelings. You know, my feelings can fool me, but my my faith, my faith in God's word, my faith in who God is, my trust in him, This trust in God and my relationship with Him is what keeps us grounded. Amen? Well, I hope that encourages you this week. And regardless of where you are on your faith journey, we want to help you. So I want to ask the question, is your faith pleasing God right now? How is your faith journey going between you and the Lord and your relationship with God? Maybe you're not even on a faith journey, or maybe you had started a faith journey with God and you have stopped or, or, or fallen away. Well, hey, listen, 
get back with the Lord. Come on, let's get in His Word. Let's get around people who can support us on our faith journey. And that's what our church is here to do. So you can head to our website. Let us know. Hey, we're going to have church next week in person. Join us. Be with us. Come on, let's encourage one another in our faith. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you that we can walk with you by faith. And not by sight, not by feelings, but by faith. And I thank you that your word is trustworthy. I thank you that you are who you say you are. And we today make a fresh commitment to walk by faith, to commit to a culture of faith. We might look at the circumstances around us and see one thing, but Lord, we believe. We stand and we believe because we know our faith pleases you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a blessed week. 